Hey there, it's Arkady. You're about to listen to another episode of That Thing I Did for a Year. This is actually our second last episode before we're going to take a little break for the holidays, but we'll be back next semester with more episodes for you. And thank you, as always, for listening. And if you like the show, be sure to tell a friend and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, enjoy the show. podcast where we interview fourth year University of Toronto students about a year of uh, the year they had away from school. My name is Ilya. I'm a fourth year industrial engineering student here at the University of Toronto and today I'll be talking to Sneha. Behind production is Arkady Hungarovsky, a fourth year engineering science student and the mastermind behind the operation. So today we're going to be speaking with Sneha. Sneha, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Sneha as mentioned. I am a fourth year civil engineering student. Um, I finished my PUI at the City of Toronto for about 14 months last year. Um, and then during that two-month break time, I went to Nepal, where, which is where I'm from. I was born there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, now I'm back at school and mostly excited and somewhat mm-hmm. terrified. And yeah. <laughs> all, all the school feels. Yeah. When did you come to Toronto? Um, oh, as in like when I moved yeah. here? Yeah. So I was 12. This was 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be like almost like 10 years soon, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Do you know the date? Yeah, May like 31st. Yeah. <laughs> throw a yeah. Toronto party. Yeah. yeah. That'd be fun, actually. <laughs> was, it, was it cool to be able to work on Toronto, like being somebody who came in here, you know, like partway through your life? Yeah, I think every time, uh, this is a conversation that I have with my dad all the time about like if you grew up somewhere else, um, you think about, you compare like how your life was there versus here. Mm -hmm. So I don't really do a ton of that consciously. um, But while I was working at the city, um, I was thinking about how um, there are certain barriers to the use of transportation infrastructure that Mm -hmm. exists in Nepal that doesn't exist here. And then just like thinking about the North American context of how design works versus how it could differ in like parts of Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, I did. But I think that realization came not while I was working, but sort of upon reflection. Okay, like after you were done working. Yeah, yeah. after I was done working, you had to write an essay about like what you did. And I was mm. like, all right, oh, true, I did these things. You wrote the essay. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's, did you think that you wanted to work on cities and whatnot, like even before you came here? No, no, I was, um, I mean, I was just like a kid. I was, I was kind of like, okay, I'm this like nerdy kid who's like somewhat good at school. Sure. So I'm going to do something nerdy. Sure. <laughs> um, so I was hopping on the life science, like doctor train, which I think is like a really common story that a lot of people Dr. Adhikari has a ring to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, and then, uh, and then I was trying to figure out like why I wanted to go that route. And it was really because I wanted to like help people, mm-hmm. um, especially like where I'm from. There's a lot of people lacking in resources. There's like a strong, there's a lot of like super rich people in Nepal, but like huge, like gap in like, um, wealth as mm-hmm. well. And so I was like, okay, I just want to do something that solves like sort of large problems. And then I thought about it, the, the fact that like engineering is a really good way of doing that because you're not just focusing on individuals, you're focusing on like improving like a system, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I, and then I applied to U of T cause you know, I love Toronto, mm-hmm. um, for engineering for that right. purpose. Um, but I didn't know I wanted to go into civ. So I was actually in track one in first year and it okay. kind of came to me like, by the end of first year, I kind of had an idea. You mentioned that you love Toronto and how like you knew that before you came into university. What yeah. was it that you liked about Toronto? Yeah, so I actually went to, I live in Scarborough now, but I lived, uh, my high school years was spent all in downtown Toronto area. Sure. Um, I think, man, like so much stuff, like really good food, mm-hmm. um, diversity, like yeah. um, you don't expect to like, I think, like, I, I, I've also talked, if you live in, like, an area which has a lot of homogeneity in terms of, like, ethnicities, then mm-hmm. the way you think about other people's perspectives are just different, and that was me, like, 
post like pre-Canada pre-Toronto I would say like mm. in Nepal where like everyone looks the same everyone speaks the same language or whatever uh, and then you come to Toronto and it's like a whoosh you know it's kind of overwhelming at first mm-hmm. um, but that kind of diversity was really interesting and I think it made me like way more open-minded than I would have been um, so that was really really interesting um, and you know it's like t- Toronto has like like th- there's diversity there's, there's food which goes hand in hand with diversity sure. in a way um, and just I don't know. I, I think I just like I just felt welcomed here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like for for those reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I wanted to study here and mm. for a little bit longer. Now I'm looking to kind of leave maybe. Okay, yeah. but but those were reasons to love it. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that you went to track one and then you ended up choosing civil. Why? Yeah. Um, two things. I was extremely bad at programming, and I was like, ah. Real feels. I was like, oh, this is so cool, man. Like. If I was good at it, it would be so fun. But like every <laughs> single week, I would have to hand in this lab, and it was so much anxiety. Like it was a really low point in my in, un, entire undergraduate life. Right. So then, uh, and then I was thinking, okay, what do I like? So that doesn't mean like you know I hate like programming and technology entirely, right? Because that's mm-hmm. not the way to live in the modern world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like went back to like what I wanted to do, which was to like um, help people and like improve like systems. And then I thought about okay. But what I really want to, what I'm really good at, you know, like Mm -hmm. sort of narcissistic, but what I'm really good at is trying to connect with a lot of people from different backgrounds and like Mm -hmm. talking to them as like stakeholders almost. And like civil engineering is, you know, you're working on like large scale projects almost all the time, whether it's like, you know, developing like a highway or like even like putting up a building. There's a lot of players involved because it's like a big project Mm -hmm. and you learn a lot from that. It's collaborative and... Um, you can kind of see what you're building. Right. So I think that's why that was my reasoning for going there. It's really cool that you saw civil engineering as a social discipline, like how that was yeah. kind of a primary reason for you to go into it. I think so. Well, like what made you see that? Because I don't think a lot of people do. I know I didn't and certainly wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, I guess I come from like a family of engineers as well. Like my dad is a chem eng, mm-hmm. environmental engineering master's student. And like I ha- I've had like some uncles in my past who've done civil. So... I mean, I didn't really talk to them about their job because I was a kid and I didn't care. <laughs> um, but the reason why I, th- I saw it as a social thing was because, um, like, there's no way to, like, because everything that you're putting up as a civil engineering student, mm-hmm. infrastructure-wise, is impacting people. So you're going to have to be taking public feedback. And mm-hmm. that's that. And in order to be able to do that, you have to inherently like realize that this discipline is like a social kind of discipline. Right. Not to say that others aren't. Um, but that this one almost has it at its core. Yes. Right. So I think there's no way to like not have that component. Okay. Um, yeah. Was that kind of backed up by experiences you had before your PEY? Oh, um, well, I did do research. Actually, yeah. Um, mm. I did do research um in the summer after my second year with one of my professors, mm-hmm. Professor Brenda McCabe, she's such an OG. <laughs> um, and that project, while it wasn't really like something that was like really up in my transportation radar, um, yeah. it was it involved like um, trying to assess the safety climate at construction sites. So I was basically like putting on my PPE and like going to all these construction sites and like talking to these workers about like. How how safe they feel in their um, current projects or like their previous projects, and um, getting data on incidents that have happened in mm-hmm. the survey form, uh, and oh man, that required like a lot of like me having to communicate the whole idea of that because mm-hmm. you a you're trying to get an actual like a survey that in written form from them, but you're also trying to explain to them and talk to them the, the impact that this could have in like potential research moving forward. Right. So I was like basically at a new site, like every week trying to get people to do this survey. So it right. was very social, required a lot of that. But also sounds like it was very much civil engineering. Yeah, like, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, were, like, what else did you decide to get up to kind of prior to your third year when you started applying for PUI? Like, what kept you busy apart from school? Um, well, outside of, like, extra, like extracurricular stuff, I guess. Yeah, um, like, what, what did you like at school? Yeah, um, well, like, when I started in first year, I was, like, very, like, not 
certain about doing extra curricular stuff because you know it gets kind of crazy but then I was so miserable in first year that I realized that the reason why I was really miserable was a you know the transition is quite hard but sure. b like I wasn't really meeting people I really um like felt a connection with because you don't really get that just in school like if there's certain interests that you have you usually have to discover that like outside of classes mm-hmm. um and so I really pushed myself to like try to do more extracurricular stuff so I Joined like Schools Got Talent, which was mm-hmm. like really fun. I met like Shivani there, and like yeah. we're like super, we're like super tight still. Yeah. Um, and then I was just like being more active in Frosh Week, which like really opened my eyes to like all these cool leaders. Yeah. So I had like I guess some um, indirect mentorship from these upper years that I was like super looking up to, but like they didn't really know I existed. <laughs> well, that's how it works, right? Um, and then in third year was when, um, like, after I went into, because I was new to civil engineering in second year, mm-hmm. um, but I w- really wanted to be part of the community a little bit more. So then in third year, I joined Sip Club mm-hmm. um, as academic director um, and kept on with, like, Schools Got Talent stuff and um, did more, like, sort of subcommittee things for Frosh Week, which was extremely fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so it kind of just steamrolled from that. And, like, I think I can't, attribute my U of T experience without attributing it to the things that I've learned from those extracurricular mm-hmm. experience. Um, so yeah, that's kept me like busy a lot. So now I'm, like I'm, al- I'm almost at the stage where it's like, oh man, after I graduate, like I have literally like no social interaction that is, that doesn't have to do with like school. Oh, that is very So I need real. to like find some things to do yeah, yeah. <laughs> beyond that. That's what's on my radar. I, I had a friend message me, uh, a friend who now lives abroad. Uh, she said, hey, I'm worried about you. Yeah. And I asked, why? Why? And she goes, I- I'm worried about what's going to happen when U of T engineering is no longer a viable part of your identity. Uh, and I was, that was one of those like, wait, no, I'll be fine. And then I kind of sat back and was thinking, no, that's going to be something I have to deal with. That's wonderfully perceptive. Because um, yeah. it, it does suck in. Yeah. I totally relate yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, why did you decide to go on PY? Oh, or like apply um, in the first place. I don't know. I think it was kind of like an obvious thing for me to do. Like, um, because well, like my summer research experience, I realized while it was like really, really interesting, wasn't really something that I wanted to continue. Like, I was like, I'm not gonna be like a, I'm not gonna be like a construction management person. Sure. Like I knew that right off the bat. Um, and then um, I think because I wanted to work on like long-term projects that I was really interested in is why I did mm-hmm. PY, especially because like, in you know, like a lot of civil engineering projects, they're infrastructure based, so they take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to see how that would be like, I guess it's just to be able to get my feet wet, you know, in a more, um, in a field that I was actually more interested in mm-hmm. was why I chose to do PY. And I really wanted like a break from school too, like right. let's be real. Um, and this is never a good reason to do it, but everyone was doing it. Sure. So it was kind of like, okay, I should do it. And, um, but I don't think that was my primary reason. Mm-hmm. I think it was just because I wanted to actually like... It's easier to go with the experience. flow. Like, sure. Like when everybody... I, mean, yeah. I, I know Not I found that. Time, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you go about looking for those kinds of jobs that you wanted? You mentioned you wanted to work on like big long-term projects. Yeah. Like how did you go about finding those kinds of opportunities? Um, it's funny because like my actual PUI didn't involve doing a lot of long-term projects. Sure. So, um, but how I went about to like finding the job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like civil engineering community, super tight knit. So I knew like a lot of upper years cause they were like helping me like 24 seven. Like it was like, could not survive without their guidance in a Uh sense. So I was always like curious about what they were up to. And I was asking people around about like what their work experience was like. Mm -hmm. So one of my really good friends, Natalia, was working at the city. So I was like, asking her about like how that was like. And mm-hmm. I was asking some people who were like working at like um, IBI, for example, in yeah. the transportation industry. So I kind of like had an idea of like the jobs that I wanted to apply for. Um, I didn't do, I, I went through the PY portal route. Sure. Because um, I found what I needed in that route. Yeah. Um, and just went with that and tried to make sure that my portfolio was different enough and interesting enough that people would want to have me around. What does yeah. portfolio mean in a civil engineering context? Um, every, like, the basic, like, resume cover letter, but also um, any, uh, like, I, I think I, like, gave, to some companies, I was like, hey, if you want to check out some drawings that I've done. But it was, yeah. like, for my graphics class, which everyone else took. 
Sure. So it wasn't as like unique. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember like in my interviews, I would like try to like throw in some stuff that was like more interesting. Like during that time when I was applying the summer before, I was doing like a review of like all movies that everyone had recommended to me, <laughs> which is still like pending. <laughs> I haven't done them all. But um, yeah, I guess not really like um, professional portfolio only, but also like trying to show the other sides as well. It almost like sounds like you were trying to show that you were creative and you had like other facets to you. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like I know like I'm not like really good at grades and I'm not I'm not sure. like the top person in my class or whatever. So I always try to supplement that with like other things that I could bring into the picture, which could be like creativity, could be like leadership experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And you were like sounded like you were pretty actively trying to put that forward. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. It's just like when I hear portfolio, I usually think either like artist or like an architect, which is somewhere along the same vein. Um, But it's like the the only other engineering disciplines that I can think of that I know have portfolios are like ECEs, who Mm -hmm. are just like, hey, look at the things I've coded. And like anybody who's doing like user experience design, which is like, look at the things I've made uh, or look at the things I've designed. So it's cool to hear that from something that's considered to be a much more like traditional engineering discipline. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if I continue to apply for jobs, I'll definitely include the portfolio of drawings I did during my PUI. Right. So that's going to be in there for sure. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you end up getting the job that you got? Um, yeah, so I had like a series of like two like extremely crappy interviews that I learned from, Okay. <laughs> I would say. Crappy on whose um, end? In the sense that um, I wasn't really prepared for... Uh, to answer like sort of so for example there was this really crappy moment where uh, one of the employers was like oh you did this research what is happening with it now and Mm -hmm. I genuinely did not know the answer to this question and I was like I should know this yeah so I kind of like dug deeper and actually like tried to follow up with my professor to figure Mm -hmm. out like where we were up to and just trying to make sure that like everything that I was putting out wasn't just like words but Uh had an impact associated with it sure um and so in that continual improvement, improvement round, eventually got a call from City Hall. Went up there. It wasn't at it wasn't at like the ECC building. I had to like go up to City Hall, which was pretty cool. Um, uh, new world. Yeah, in a way. Um, what, like new City Hall or old City Hall? New. Okay. Yeah, I, I think old City Hall is like primarily just um, like court stuff now. Oh, okay. I'm not totally sure. Okay. Yeah, it was it was new City Hall. All the the all the concrete. Nice. The giant yeah. concrete towers. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I learned a lot of from that, um, and I don't know. I guess they they liked me, and like mm-hmm. um, they you because like my friend Natalia had worked there before. I talked to her about sort of the things that she was working on, and tried to make sure that I was like well versed on some of the stuff that I actually working mm-hmm. on, which is what I recommend everyone to do. Like, um, don't go into it blind, you know, because every experience, even though even though it seems like oh yeah, this is like a transportation job. These this is also a transportation job. Inherently, the work that you're doing is going to be quite different. Right. Yeah. So, what was the work you ended up doing at City of Toronto? Yeah. Um, so it was really neat. Our group in the transportation services of City Hall is um, called Pedestrian Projects. We're only like it's only like twenty of us. It's pretty chill. Sure. Um, and so what I was working on was uh, a few things. One of which was to look at all the infrastructure changes that were happening around the city in terms of like transportation infrastructure, everything from like sidewalks to improving um, pavement markings on roads. Like that's a huge, that's like a a huge market too. Uh Um, So looking at like all those changes that were going to be made and our group wasn't really looking at like the road condition and fixing it. We would get that information from a different group and then we would say, okay, these roads are going to be fixed next year or like in two years because we plan like three years in advance sure. um uh and then so what can we do are there some ones that are extremely crappy for pedestrians like mm-hmm. are there ones that like literally don't have a sidewalk are there ones that have like a cross like a crosswalk that's like really shitty and we can fix it um so all those kind of like improvements was what we would like look at google maps yeah. um <laughs> And then um, we would put that into like our system to make sure that um, the people who are actually delivering the project, which is, which is like another group in the city, would have um, set people to actually construct these things. Mm-hmm. So I was involved with um, coordinating all those projects and inputting them into like a system for everyone to see, mm-hmm. but also 
actually making like uh, more basic conceptual drawings of what we wanted it to look like versus what it was now. Right. So a lot, I, th I think I did like about 40 of those drawings. It was kind of fun. I really enjoyed doing the design side of things. Um, and yeah, a bunch of them are going to be implemented this year. Some are going to be implemented next year, which is pretty cool. Um, other things that I was doing was um, the King Street pilot, which is like a hot topic yeah. in the city. Um, do I, should I describe what it is to people who yeah, yeah, don't yeah, know? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Give us a backup. Um, so King Street Pilot was, it was started December of 2017. It's going to be wrapping up this by the, by the end of this year. Uh, and the idea was it that King Street corridor between like Jarvis and Bathurst was like extremely um, congested in the sense that like if you were to like ride a streetcar along that route, it would be faster if you almost walked. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, and it was also like quite full all the time because like you just couldn't push out as many streetcars because it was extremely busy so then there was an idea in order to improve like the streetcar service and provide more transit service and also make it so that the whole space is improved so pedestrians and like actual residents would want to go out mm -hmm. so include like public um, installations and like sitting areas so people can actually like hang out in the area as well right um, so that was like the bigger scheme of the project um, so the whole like they had to like change up signals and stuff so basically if you are riding a car along that area you could only go through a block you go through a block and you have a turn right you can't like move through okay um so that was that's 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 the way in which they like reduced like sort of the traffic so um, it was just like almost like full priority to street cars yeah um and then like you know there were exceptions obviously like emergency vehicles and like sure. some like taxis and stuff like that were accepted at certain hours so there's more details into it you can probably look it up and probably find more information than i can give you here um so that was kind of like a bigger scale of the project since our group is part of like the public realm side i was mostly looking at um accessibility how to improve that and also how to make to organize sort of the programming around all the public spaces. Mm -hmm. So we added like new streetcar stops uh, on the curb lane. So the curb lane was also like totally uh, totally like not for vehicles. Mm -hmm. And the curb lane is the lane that's like right next to the curb. Sure. Um, and so some of those were turned into streetcar stops. So we had to like figure out like very uh, small details that are pretty important, including like how, where do we place the ramps so people on wheelchairs can actually like go down the curb and like come uh -huh. up the streetcar. And these are all things that like, I feel like normal residents who don't have to deal with it on the daily take for like extremely granted. And I was one of those people. Like I would yeah. like walk along like, uh, you know, like a, a bike lane with like a street. And then there was like this patch of like texture. And I was like, I don't know what that's for. Yeah. And that's for like people who have visibility issues. Right. Yeah. So when you're like, when you have these kind of like, like uh, mobility related problems, visibility or like on, on other form of accessibility problems, um, like accommodating that is super important. So I learned about that a little bit through this project. Um, and also it was really cool to see, um, we, we got people to submit their ideas for what they would want the public space to look like. And they would be like doing the programming for it as well. So the public space being like the added sidewalk space and um, like, like no, what, actually, is, what do you mean by programming? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned before, like the curb lane was gonna be entirely like not for use for vehicles. Yeah. And so that curb lane was going to be programmed to have all these like public space installations. So everything from some businesses, we contacted some businesses and they put up like sort of patios on the curb lane. Um, and then we had some artists and like people from like different um, companies who built like an actual like huge structure for people to sit on. Sure. There was this one, there was this one structure that uh, I forget who actually built it. I think it was Arup and it involved like there was like a, uh, like wheels and like a cycle kind of thing and then yeah. you, when, you, when you like actually get on the cycle like the uh, the light like actually like shine and stuff like that oh, okay, cool. so sort of like interactive elements in order to keep people there mm -hmm. so me with my King Street project lead from the city we were really looking at which kind of what kind of installations would be like really really good um, uh, and then like actually look actually considering how they would be implemented in a sense. Okay, so like talking about now that you have more people and like more pedestrians and more transit here, what can we do to make it so that they enjoy the space more and to make yeah. those projects actually happen? Yeah, and like choosing like a variety of projects, right? Mm -hmm. um, from like different types of people. Everything from like 
having like this beautiful mural that was on like Jarvis to like mm-hmm. sitting areas and like more patio areas. And right. How do we make those spaces safe? Like s- small details, like those like huge planter things. We had to figure out like how far apart they should be spaced <laughs> so that it would have like minimal contact with the vehicles. It was really interesting to see the actual implementation side of that. It's really cool because like you're right. That's something that a lot of us really take for granted that like a city works and that yeah. you, think, you know we're walking along it. And we, we really give ourselves license to complain what it doesn't like at all. Um, yeah. so, so it's, I don't know, I think it's really cool that you got to work on that side of it because it sounds like you were really working on Toronto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the general response for the King Street pilot has been has been positive or like what has the response been? Um, so it's been like a mix. I think for the most part, it's been quite positive for like the people like living in Trinity Street area. They really love it. Mm-hmm. And there were like initially some complaints from like businesses about their loss of people. Cause like, you know, if you think about it, like some of these like businesses that are catering to maybe like higher income people, yeah. um, maybe like you don't expect these higher income people to take transit to where they're going to go. Right. They want to like, be able to like drive and like park in that area. So they were saying that they were like losing on these customers. Were people parking on King Street? Yeah. So like there was, there was a, that was like initially like allowed in certain areas or like, you know, you could like go through it. Yeah. yeah. And we were like not letting that happen. Uh So I know that there were some complaints from businesses about like their loss of business on that side. Um, And then the city tried to um, give them some incentives in order to make sure people actually like went there, which was pretty well used. There was a collaboration um, with Ritual, from what I was reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we they we partnered up with Ritual. I actually got a free lunch from Aroma that one time nice. because of that. So there, it's not like I, I mean, there's always gonna be, um, there's always gonna be sort of people who are like opposed to it or like uh-huh. pro for it, right? But I think as long as you try to like address the general like complaints and stuff, it's, mm-hmm. it's that's a better way to go. Um, did, yeah. did the project achieve like the stated goal? Honestly. I have no idea. Uh-huh. So after I left, because um, like my role was more scoped towards like ensuring that like the sure. public realm side of it was okay. So I wasn't really looking at like getting feedback from the public about like what uh-huh. you think has happened. So it's going to be like a council decision at the end sure. um, where they will like get a report on like all the things that were good or bad. And then they will think about whether or not it should be like a, an actual thing that should exist. Right. Because right. currently it's a pilot. Everything is temporary. You can peel it out, take it out, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but if you were to make it like legit, it would mean that like you know the whole it would it would be that way for like permanently kind of right. Thing. What was the most fun day you had working on that project? Oh, I don't remember the fun day. I remember like a somewhat funny, painful day where <laughs> go for it. <laughs> we were me and like all the leads from my group. We were it was like a super cold day in December when we were like. Um, getting on top of like these trucks to try to put up these ramps everywhere. Uh-huh. And like I grossly, grossly underestimated how cold it can be when you're just like standing for hours. And so I almost got a frostbite. I had to go to a mech at um, King Street, get a new pair like, of socks. It was like Mountain Equipment Co-op, like yes. the camping store. Yes, yeah. because um, they had these super warm socks, according to one of my coworkers, I had to change into them. And then at some point, my coworkers were like, you look really bad. Go back, go back to work. Yeah. And then I, I think it took me like six hours to like totally warm up. Wow. So it wasn't really like a fun story, but it was like a really amusing thing. Like I got made, up, made fun of a lot after that at work, which, was, which is something that I enjoy. Right. So I, now I associate it with like, oh man, I'm so dumb. I didn't check the weather. Kind yeah. of story. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Uh, Not sponsored a- by Mac. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it sounds like the, the work culture you had was like significantly lighter than what people normally associate with government. Um, lighter in terms of like... Well, well in terms of tone, like the fact that the fact that it was like as free form as like, yo, like go to the store and get your socks now. And the fact that people yeah. will roast you for mis- like underestimating the cold. Yeah. So like my group, um, they expected a lot of accountability on my end and and also like gave me the freedom to sort of like do the work. Like they knew that I wasn't going to like you know, come into work and, like, do nothing for, like, eight hours or sure. whatever, right? But they also didn't, like, check up on when I came. So I didn't have, like, a time in or a timeout sheet. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes if I had to take, like, half a day off, it was, like, i tell my manager and she's cool with it as long. And then she she would, like, trust me to make it up right. in the next couple of days. And obviously if I was taking, like, longer days off, I would have to, like, go through HR and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was a little bit more, like, lax in that sense, but only because, like, I 
made sure I gave them no reason to doubt the fact that I wasn't like cheating or something like that, right? Right. Um, what but did, yeah. What did that look like at the beginning of your time there? Like, what did it take to kind of build that confidence and earn the trust to operate so independently? Yeah, well, I was lucky because I had like my PY student, Natalia, working with me for the first like three months when I started out. So Because like you would start in May and she was finishing she at the was end of the summer? She was finishing in August, yeah. Okay, right. Um, and so I got to learn a lot about like the work itself. And then um, I think... Because early on when I was just starting out, I didn't have like a ton of work on my plate. It was mostly helping Natalia like finish up some of the stuff and then some random small things along the way. So I wanted to really like sink in like super quick. Um, and so I asked for some work. Like I was like, hey, do you guys have like some things that you would want me to look at? And I think they really appreciated that right. considering it was just like my fourth month and I was already sort of being proactive about it. Mm -hmm. um, and the, I think that kind of engaged in the level of trust and like the work that I started to produce um, was in the beginning quite mediocre, but then I took their feedback and implemented it um, the best I could. Yeah. And I think they like saw that and liked that. And it was, I, I would like to think that's what set that. Right. Although if I went and talked to them and got like the actual thing about like, what was that one moment that made you realize that I was great? <laughs> that would be a different story. Yeah. I don't know. That. Yeah. <laughs> it would be funny if they had all oh, this one time, like I just saw her and then yeah. I knew, uh, there's like, how long do you think it took for you to, to go from doing work that you said was mediocre to work that you were like proud of and that you felt was like good? Hmm. Oh, I don't know if I can pinpoint like a significant like timeline, but I think right after I was by myself, yeah, um, all this stuff started getting like crazy in the sense yeah. of maybe like um, in like October-ish. Right. Because when okay. I had to like crank out all this work and I had to do some like VBA coding that I'd like never done before. Right. Um, so at that point I was like, okay, so like I'm into it. I'm, I'm not, I'm no longer scared to ask questions because uh -huh. that was also a thing where I was like, okay, I don't want to bother these like very like busy people. Yeah. But I was like actually asking questions and making sure that I was up to date on what was expected of me in terms mm -hmm. of timeline. Um, but yeah, I think like post October and November, I was like, okay, I'm getting my teeth into it. I'm singing and I'm, I feel pretty confident about being here because mm -hmm. before that I was like, uh, like in the first four, four months I was I was kind of like oh my god they spent all this money yeah. to just like train me which is like and I'm not picking it up but that's everyone I feel like everyone feels that way right. you expect to like learn this like learning curve right yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting that like you need to be okay with like this company putting time and money into you just getting better because you're yeah. gonna be valuable yeah. Uh, like like that that was definitely a new idea for me this idea that i am going to be valuable to an organization yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you pumped out 40 drawings or something like that yeah like that sounds like, like a pretty that. quick pace of work yeah well it was like throughout the year and most of it was um concentrated in specific months um and it, like i got a lot of practice on doing it when i was like my my previous student before me again i feel like I'm talking talk about Natalia the whole time. She did Shout this out thing. Natalia. <laughs> She's great. She did this thing where she would like say, hey, this is a drawing that I did. Try to replicate it. Because okay. in the end, like we would have to all make them look kind of cohesive. So then I was like, I spent, I, I remember like two weeks on this one drawing. Right. Just trying to fix it. And then she and then she would find like little details that I missed out on. She would give me comments on it. Yeah. And so slowly I started like making them like quicker and I knew like all the shortcuts that needed to be used on AutoCAD and like mm -hmm. um you know Google helped out a lot yeah, yeah. um yeah so and, like 40 doesn't seem like that much if I think about the fact that it almost it took me like less than a week to do them at some point um oh okay but th that's in like uh like how long was your training you said 14 months so yeah, that's like oh, something like 60 weeks yeah and of them <laughs> like of like, like of those 40 um, drawings I mean that's that sounds like a pretty good amount like I mean 40 to me sounds like a portfolio yeah yeah um I guess so yeah, yeah. I maybe it took them some of them took me less than a week well sure so, but, but, but even still yeah. um did you have certain ideas or doubts about working in government when you first came in mm -hmm. yeah so this was actually pretty huge because you hear about um government as like this like slow machine and like not a lot of innovation and people like that was what I've heard from people who worked in governments before, not necessarily the city. Um, 
And so it's not like I went into it assuming people were going to be like that. But I was like super presently surprised that it was so not that. Mm-hmm. So that surprised me more than it being if, if, it, if it was actually like that. Um, I think because a lot of people in um, my group were young professionals. Like they were all like 30s to like 50s kind of thing. Like 30s to 40s kind yeah. of like my immediate managers. And they brought a lot of experience working from wherever they worked in. And they were very passionate about the topic that they were covering. Uh-huh. Because, you know, it's impacting, like, pedestrians. It's, it's looking at accessibility. Like, you can't be this, like, sort of dejected, like, yeah, yeah. government employee if you're like that, right? And my project manager of the whole group, Fiona, was, like, a huge advocate of, like, ensuring streets were safe. So she set up a vision and, you know, hired people accordingly. So we had a group of people who were, like, really passionate about what they were doing. Definitely um, tried to make sure that me as, like, a new intern coming in uh, was learning so they like valued my work as opposed to just being like okay push out these things you know like yeah. this is your job it was like less like that more like trying to actually cultivate my learning experience um, when I first started out one of my managers Shada gave me this like project to look at an intersection and looking at stop compliance in that intersection and um, actually read my entire report gave me tips and stuff and I was like because ah, <laughs> then now I'm learning how to do this thing for real um, so that was new. And then when I left, like I talked about this a lot with my um, like project leads while I was there. And one of my project leads, Justin, was like, yeah, you have to realize you're being spoiled and this is not usually the case. Right. <laughs> so I think I got a pretty good, like I got one of those like more anomalies of what government experience is like. But then I can't really say that because I've only been in one group. Where you are. Yeah. Group. yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was definitely like a huge surprising good thing that happened yeah Mm -hmm. and we had like really good um relationships within the group too because it was just 20 of us yeah Uh, we did this fun thing where every two weeks on thursdays we would have salad club okay it's like the most fun thing that i love telling people about um where everyone was would bring like little ingredients like cucumbers like mangoes or like some people would be bringing greens and some people sometimes people would like one of my coworkers, Lee, would grow things in a garden and like bring that, and then okay. you just like combine it, and then you eat salad for an hour and talk. Just like one big salad where that you all brought the ingredients yeah. for. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Did anybody ever bring anything just like straight outlandish? And we were like sheep brains. I mean, like, like sometimes people brought like cake <laughs> and desserts. I, would you throw it in there? <laughs> well, would, you, like, would you throw it in the salad? Wait, we wouldn't make like a big salad. It was just like everyone take little things and make your own salad plate. Oh, okay, so, like, gotcha. Desserts would be kind of like a little like dessert okay. thingy on the side. Um, it's supposed to be something outlandish. No, but like, yeah. like <laughs> I'm just, I was really hoping that somebody would just mash cake into the salad and everybody just has to eat that. No, <laughs> although that would have been pretty fun. Yeah, it would have been, been a okay. fun story. Uh, yeah. There's nothing uh, that crazy. No. Um, it sounds like a good group of people to work with. Yeah. Would you consider like going back there? Um, I would, except um, like my group currently is only hiring PUI students or sure. even if they hire sort of project lead capacity, I would have to build up a lot more experience. So that's what I'm kind of looking to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even even after my PUI, like I had like a wrap up meeting with all my project leads and they were saying that it would be valuable if I got more experience, whether in the form of like going to back to school and learning more or mm-hmm. like doing doing some like private firm work or like looking at the implementation side so sure. you can actually understand how your design is being put in. Right. Um, so those are the kind of things that they recommended to me and I really appreciated that as someone right. who was like new into the field. And like bringing external value and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you think that you're still interested in working on those kind of like large scale long-term projects that you were thinking about before? Yeah, and like... I'm thinking about even like longer scale now. So I'm currently looking for um, grad school opportunities that involve like planning. So transportation planning, which is like a very long term, very big scale. So what is transportation planning? planning? Yeah. Transportation planning. Oh, I mean, if I could take out my course notes. Yeah. The course I'm taking right now. It would sound way better. Give me cliff um, cliff notes. Well, transportation planning is essentially how you organize mobility of people in like an entire city, right? If you're planning for the whole city. So you're looking at how public transit is going to connect people from different networks. You're looking at how the infrastructure itself is encouraging people from different 
from using different modes, um, people with different like capacities, whether accessibility needs or not, and just seeing how it could be optimized, how it can be developed so that it's being used for a longer term. So mm-hmm. just like encouraging mobility in every aspect. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So mm-hmm. I'm, that sounds, again, way longer term than even what you were thinking before. Yeah. Yeah. What draws you to this? Um, I think while my whole education and my work experience has been really valuable, I found that a lot of the work that I was doing and like the, a lot of the school things that I've been doing have been very like, all right, calculate this. And like, mm-hmm. so I, again, being more of like um, a social person, I would say, mm-hmm. like I wanted to actually look at like larger scale challenges that we face in cities and not just like, you know, North American cities where, you know, things are a lot more accessible for people, but sure. like even like in other parts of the world where those kind of things are not, mm-hmm. you know, being in use. So considering how the impacts of like what you would put in design would actually affect people from from a large scale is what I wanted to consider and, and using like a holistic approach as opposed to just like diving in and doing the technical stuff. So while I am somewhat knowledgeable on the technical side, mm-hmm. I can bring that to do a little bit more holistic design and looking at the society as a whole, right. thinking about what kind of things would Im- impact positively, what kind of things would set off like negative reactions. So just like thinking large scale, sort of Jane Jacobs kind of feel uh-huh. um, is what I'm going for we'll see if yeah, that yeah. happens yeah i was actually like gene jacobs was fully on my mind as i was listening yeah. to you talk yeah. yeah i think i think i think we'll link some jane jacobs in the uh, in the episode yeah. notes um you went to nepal over like the last few months before you went back to school um mm. did that give you like any kind of perspective like, like going back on you know like transportation planning and on this kind of like large-scale planning outside of a north american context yeah um so I tried to, when I was in Nepal, uh, I was only there for like about a month and I was mostly in Kathmandu, which is the capital where my family lives. Um, I tried to take um, all forms of transit and like sort of transportation, which not everyone was down for because they were like, oh my God, the buses are going to be super packed. And it's like in Kathmandu, it's like, pollution is a huge problem. Like I would have to go out and like wear a mask basically because it's like super dusty and like um, not great air quality. Um, and so I observed like a lot of stuff, like how, um, like the, the disparity between like public buses and how they're operated versus how, um, cab companies are operated. Right. Um, you know, there's a certain percentage of the population in Kathmandu who are like extremely wealthy and they have all the private vehicles and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, like, and then you have like sort of the more like, uh, middle income population that take like a combination of like a cab if they have to get from one place to another or sometimes buses and they're not often well connected. Sometimes when I was riding on these buses, I would see a bike and I'd be like, ah, bike. Because <laughs> it was like totally exciting to see. But it's quite different, right? Like people here choose to bike. People there bike if they have to. Right. So it's like that level of like difference was like something that I always knew, but it was, I would always like see it and take make note of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I noticed, and then there were some nice things that I observed that was quite good. Was when I was walking down the street once, they had these like sort of tactile um, surface like indicators, which are sort of the bumps that you see. Like if you're like getting on the subway and you see like the yellow line, that's not just for you to like make sure you don't go there. It's for blind people, so yeah. they have like when they point the stick to the surface, they can actually note it. Yeah. So those kind of things are also what you can see on like intersections on like the edge, right? So I saw some of that in concrete form in Nepal, and I was like. Did not see that before. Yeah, and they did some neat things like they would like paint the curb yellow so that um, vehicles would like take note of it in the in like nighttime and stuff. So some like neat um, things that I didn't see, hadn't seen growing up. Um, and I also got to talk to someone who did a lot of like transportation development projects um, in Nepal. Mm-hmm. And the way it works there is quite different, right? Like here we have our governments that like pay for most of it. There you mostly get money in terms of like from other countries as donation to be able to build this, this infrastructure. Right. So I'm like, how can you prioritize that versus, you know, doing things in house? Cause they just don't, they either don't have the money or don't have like the actual, um, uh, expertise to be able to like carry out large projects. So it's often like some other country building a bridge for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so those kind of things is like crazy different. Right. And I really appreciated learning about it. Do you think that there are things we can learn from there that we can apply here? Mm-hmm. 
I guess you want, like, a lot of people in Nepal know, if you go out on the street in Kathmandu and ask them, like, oh, how do I get there? Like, people, like, know it. Uh-huh. Like, everyone will know it. So that would be something cool if, like, Toronto had something like that where um, everyone was, ev- we had a system where, like, everyone was, like, it was easy for everyone to sort of know right off the bat how cities, how different parts of the cities are connected. Right. That'd be kind of neat. Um, it's kind of like more legibility in the system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, it's the, I think the reason why in Kathmandu a lot of people know it is because they've been living there for such a long time. Uh-huh. While in Toronto, there's often newcomers. Uh-huh. So I don't know if like we could fix that. Um, other things. Um, we should have a tuk-tuk. Like, honestly, it'll be really fun. What is a tuk-tuk? Uh, it's like a three-wheeler. We actually call it tempo in Nepal, um, okay. but it's like an equivalent of that. It's like a three-wheel little, like, tran. It's, it's supposed to be like public transit. Uh-huh. It looks like a, to me, it looks like a chicken almost. Uh-huh. You can look it up. Um, it's like in other parts of Asia as well. So if we had like fun, I, I feel like we've had those like three-wheeled bikes, like for people to like, ride on, right. like romantic, like first dates. Like tandem whatever. bikes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. those. Um, but these are a little different. It would be funny if I could see a bunch of little tuk-tuks. Like, running around. I don't know how fuel efficient they are though. So maybe I'll take this back <laughs> if yeah, I realize that they're not. No, but, but it sounds like something worth exploring. Yeah. I, I, I too like, would like to see some yeah. tuk-tuks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, like coming back from that, I'm coming to school in fourth year. Uh, d- does school feel different after taking a year off? Mm, I know that closer to the end of school, I was, I mean, end of PY, I was kind of like, oh, I kind of want to get back to school. Like, uh-huh. you get to see all these people. It's really exciting. Um, it was definitely new in the sense that, like, I had a good sleep schedule going. And uh-huh. now it's like in shambles. I was taking <laughs> better. I mean, I, I don't think it has to be in shambles. I think that's just me. Some people can do it. Yeah. way better um, and I think I was in general being more careful about like uh, taking care of my own like body and my health uh-huh. and that's just kind of gone like number two now at this point like which which kind of sucks so I'm trying yeah. to, I'm trying to build back up uh-huh. um, constantly so that's been true study wise I actually really enjoyed coming back to school because you're learning a bunch of different stuff at the same time uh-huh. so it's never gonna be like boring you might hate a course but like at least that's a little that's something that you feel at yeah, least, yeah. right? Um, so it's less like routine, mm-hmm. um, which is what I have been enjoying. And I'm taking some like fun like um, courses that where I get to meet people from like other disciplines and stuff, which have been quite sure. fun. Um, but yeah, and like you know, realizing now realizing that I like want to get on this like grad school train and yeah. doing that has been like a huge relief because like before I was like eh, I don't know what I want to do. I want to apply for jobs. Right. Know. So. How's how's the grad school train been treating you? Um, it takes a lot of time. Um, a to like the most amount of time, the most fun thing and the most time consuming thing is to just like find programs and find schools that you would want to go to and like look for like supervisors who could like supervise you on mm-hmm. on projects and stuff. Uh, once I've, I've like I think gone over that slump and I'm like writing personal statements, which is like really scary it's like I already hated writing a cover letter because it's just like talking about yourself in like a glorified way and this is like an even even an interesting way of doing it where you're not really talking about yourself as much as like why you care Mm -hmm. which is a lot easier I think you should just send them this episode oh (laughs) maybe I will we'll see um yeah so that's what I've been up to um and I'm trying to talk to my thesis supervisor right now to make sure like I get like references and stuff Mm -hmm. I definitely think there's, I've learned a lot from like actually realizing how the process works to apply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd you learn that? Um, f- two people who uh, are dearest to my heart. One yeah. of them is doing grad school in Berkeley, and yeah. the other one is doing it here. So I was yeah. like asking them questions about like, when did you decide to do it? Because that was my primary thing. Yeah. Like, am I doing grad school? Because there's this thing about how, like, oh, you do grad school if you don't know what you want to do. Like, yeah. you want to just, like, keep the train going. So I was like, I'm definitely not going to do that because of that. I don't want that to be my reason because that would be terrible. Uh-huh. Um, so realizing that that was not the reason why I was doing this was yeah. something that I learned from talking to other people um, and just um, getting an idea from them, their timeline of, like, how, when they decided to mm-hmm. do stuff. And, like, um, uh, I think it's more, it has to come from, like, you um, mm-hmm. realizing that you want to do it. 
right. more than anything. Yeah. I, mean, I know we talk about Dr. Adhikari, but Master Adhikari also sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just like a good last name oh. for, for titles. Can you imagine if I went with that title? Like, Master uh, Adhikari? Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't like imagine it. it. I imagine it <laughs> being great. My parents would be extremely proud and confused. <laughs> Our first master. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give yourself or somebody who is starting out on PEY or is just like looking for jobs right now? Yeah. Um, I think I went on the PEY portal route exclusively. Sure. I think if I could go back, I feel like I would have like sort of stepped back a little and tried to explore like other companies that may not be like in our ECC portal and mm-hmm. like try to get more idea about that. Um, definitely that. And like, even though like I had some people look at my resume and my cover letter and stuff, mm-hmm. it's like you need that thing to be constantly iteratively looked at, right? So I didn't do that a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So I would like advise people to do that, advise people to like I would I would talk to even more operators than I actually did, mm-hmm. you know, to get a feel of like um, other opportunities that exist and that's something I encourage everyone to do. Mm-hmm. Like mentors are so important. Like mm-hmm. right now, I, I had a crisis like a month ago where I was like, <gasps> I have no like mentor in my life. Mm-hmm. Based about what I wanted to do, and then I realized that wasn't really too true because I literally just emailed one of my coworkers and she you, like helped me out. A lot. You mentioned many. You mentioned many mentors just over the course of this conversation. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but you yourself need one too, right? Yeah, like it's so true. important to have people who can, who you can inspire to and like aspire to be in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say like get advice from your operator mentors because that's like super important because they will they will tell you things that you won't know from just like people who are in the company, right? Like they mm-hmm. will say all the good things and maybe the bad things and then you'll like learn sort of the pros and cons of different experiences that could be a part of what you were doing. I would say like a lot of people worry about the fact that, oh, I didn't have like a job like beforehand. Um, there's a lot of things you can do to like stand out. Everything from clubs to like, you know, if you have a hobby that is quite unique and it's related to or unrelated to what you're doing. Like, yep. Really make sure that that comes through. Um, like don't undervalue yourself basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's great advice. Um, if people have questions about, you know, like city planning or like transportation planning, any of your experiences, like the grad school train as it were, um, where can they find you? Where can they find me? Yeah. Um, I'm almost always at the fourth floor mining lab doing... <laughs> a lot of number crunching for my thesis but I'm also like generally available on Facebook if you want to hit me up to talk more about it because mm-hmm. I mean I clearly it's like you know when you like talk to people about things they care about and they keep going like that's going to be me <laughs> <laughs> so you can do that I can you can find me on Facebook if you happen to be at mining fourth floor lab you can probably find me in some <laughs> corner somewhere gotcha. um, yeah I think those are like my two Nice. Platforms. Okay, the, the, yeah. the physical and the virtual. Yeah. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to say or talk about? Um, not really. I just want to thank you guys for bringing me on. This has been really fun. As an avid podcast listener and fan <laughs> of podcasts in general, it's like super surreal to be in like an actual place doing it. A place yeah. doing it. This yeah. is the place being yeah. Gerstein Room 2101. Yeah, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, uh, thank you for making the time, you know, in late November because this is that time. So, uh, yeah, yeah thank, thank you for making the time and thank you for being on. Uh, this has been That Thing I Did for a Year. We'll see you next Monday. <laughs>